like being frustrated by the 10 minute block time in Bitcoin. Like it doesn't happen right away, but then being like excited that they only have to pay a dollar in fees and they don't have to pay like 50 to a hundred dollars in fees. So it's been really cool. I think it's just like now there's this market incentive for people to learn how this stuff works. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved. And we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Matt, back again. Another week, another podcast, man. Who we got lined up? Man, I'm really excited for this episode. We've got Joe Looney, founder of Rare Pepe Wallet and co-founder of Rare Pepe Foundation, one of the true OGs in the space. He was leading a crypto art revolution on Bitcoin back in 2016, long before the current NFT craze. And it's been really interesting to see Rare Pepe is gaining more traction and more awareness in recent months. Um, what excites you about it, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I think Joe is a true, he's a godfather of NFTs. I think some of his contributions in this space have literally paved the way for where we're at with NFTs today. So it truly is an honor to speak to a true OG. Really excited to to cover lots of ground in this episode. So uh, before we get into it, do want to encourage you though, nftnow.com, you can sign up for our newsletter where we simplify the, the market into actionable insights once a week. Uh, you can sign up for that newsletter once again at nftnow.com. But without any further ado, Joe Looney. Joe, how's it going, man? Going good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Glad to glad to finally get you on the uh, the NFT Now podcast. You know, I think there's a lot of really interesting things we can dig into today. For those who may not be as familiar with your story, I'd love to just kick it off by hearing a bit about your journey into Bitcoin and founding the Rare Pepe Wallet and Foundation. I'm a uh, I'm class of 2013 Bitcoin. I got into it kind of early that year and watched the the run up to uh, $230 and the big dump back down to 100. And I was kind of hooked from that point on. I got really interested in a project called MasterCoin, which turned into Omni. A lot of people are familiar with Tether. Tether was created on Omni. So that's kind of like going back in time to that. Uh, basically, what that was, was a, uh, it was a layer uh, built, a token layer built on top of Bitcoin. So that led me to Counterparty, which is another token layer uh, on top of Bitcoin that uh, launched in January 2014. And I was just kind of hooked ever since. As soon as their, the, their wallet launched and everything, I was just nonstop playing around with it. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a software developer by trade. Um, I'm actually a mechanical engineer, so I kind of come at things from a little bit different angle, very much more functional rather than, uh, I guess, uh, aesthetically beautiful. So, um, and you'll see that in like Rare Pepe Wallet, it's like very functional, but not really like, it's like a mechanical engineer built it, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, I was involved in Counterparty during the bear market from, uh, 2014 into 2017. And in, uh, in the fall of uh, 2016, being in the the counterparty uh, Telegram chat, and everyone's kind of sick of talking about the price because it's just been going sideways for almost two years at that point. Yeah, someone just dropped Mike dropped Nakamoto card. That's that's the rare Pepe that people might have seen kind of selling for like five six hundred thousand dollars. You know, like kind of get getting the headlines. I saw CoinDesk had an article about it, and from that point forward, we just. Everybody wanted to make rare Pepe's. Um, once they saw Mike made one, they're like, "Well, we can we can make them too," you know. So I had uh, being in this space, being in, into Counterparty for 
the two years prior to that, I had actually built a couple wallets um, to kind of uh, interact with. The important thing to remember is a counterparty, a counterparty wallet is a Bitcoin wallet. So it's like I you can build them with the the libraries you would build a Bitcoin wallet with, and just kind of add a little sprinkle the uh, the counterparty part on top. And so um, I actually took a wallet that I had already built and reskinned it as the Rare Pepe wallet. We started uh, letting people submit new Pepes and. Um, it kind of just took off from there. And it was a, it was actually a pretty, pretty big project in 2017 that a lot of people were talking about it. Um, I remember, um, Fred Wilson getting asked about it at consensus. It was kind of like, a it was a fun, it was just a funny thing for people to, uh, talk about. So it always got, kind of got brought up in that context. And I think during the last bear market, it's kind of 2018 to 2020, I mean, it, it was around, but a lot of people just kind of forgot about it. So when NFT mania kind of kicked back off again. It was one of those projects that like, it's really not that long ago, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Like it was just, it was, we just had the the five-year anniversary of the, uh, the, the drop of the Nakamoto card. So really like not that long at all, but it's been lately, it's just slowly been being rediscovered, I think, among just NFT collectors in general. Yeah, no, that's absolutely incredible. And I mean, I'm sure from your perspective too, I mean, having been in the, the game in the market for so long, I mean, what was it like seeing the NFT mania and seeing the, the boom starting earlier this year? What do you feel really kind of like led to, to it happening? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think in like the timing wise, um, I mean, a lot of it was everyone being stuck at home, right? Um, I think that's probably the, the common theme. You see everyone stuck at home and that's when crypto started. Uh, I think a lot, in a lot of ways, the NFT uh, bubble or I mean, I hate to call it a bubble, but it's like it's a the, the bull bear cycles, right? The the bull part of the cycle happening. Uh, it happens in conjunction with uh, crypt, like cryptocurrency in general, right? So you saw rare Pepe's got really popular as we went into the bull run in 2017, and then kind of the the uh, bull run starting in 2020. It was almost like NFTs kicked it off. It felt like in a lot of ways, and uh, it's been really validating to see. I mean, when I when we launched. Rare Pepe wallet. I mean, a lot of people prior, really prior to that. I mean, people looked at tokens from the ICO perspective, right? It was the, uh, it was the utility token. It was, it, it was these, uh, these things that had were were almost like a currency on another network, right? It was like it was they were just altcoins in a lot of ways. And I think Rare Pepe's broke the mold on that a lot. And um, I mean, there were other, there was, there was, there were actually a couple other projects on Counterparty kind of leading into rare, rare Pepe's like Spells of Genesis and uh, Forces of Will was another card game that uh, built on there. But rare Pepe's was really the first time anybody could create one. Um, and I think that was like the really unique thing about it. And what's really cool with rare Pepe's is like, you don't have to be a great artist to make one. Um, and like, you can see that going through the directory, like, it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, and, and a lot of my favorite ones are the ones that aren't made by great artists, you know? So I think that it was really accessible. And I, I, I think that's what drew so many people to it. And I mean, there's uh, hundreds of artists that, that made rare Pepe's in the time that we had the, uh, the directory open for submissions. So it's been the, the latest NFT mania has definitely been like very validating as far as like that use case being like, we knew we were onto something, but um, I definitely didn't think it would, it would get as crazy as it did as fast as it did um, in the last year or so. I mean, it's been kind of like seeing it go mainstream. Like it's like the reminder. It's a, it, it reminds me of the like uh, the Today Show, like talking about email from years ago. You know, it's like they're talking about NFTs now, like trying to figure out like what are these things, you know. And so it's kind of really funny to 
to see that happening as as quickly as it as it seems to have happened. Absolutely, and you know, it's 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 amazing, kind of looking back and, and realizing how much has happened. And, and as you said, it's such a short amount of time. It's really relative. Like it, you know, the space moves so quickly. Things are, you know, th- things are very relative. You know, in terms of like five years seems like you know five decades ago. You know, I know that you know during kind of like the 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 boom in mainstream attention. I know you were vocal about the fact that um, it did seem that that rare Pepe's were not necessarily getting like the recognition that they deserved, and they were kind of getting glossed over in like the history. Sort of like the people looking back, and you know, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why do you see you feel like rare Pepe's have not necessarily gotten the recognition that they are due? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it with the uh, like the the latest kind of run when earlier this year when I, I think a lot of it was frustration seeing CryptoPunks being like branded as like we invented this thing. It's just, they're like we created the first NFTs. You know, it's just like just kind of frustrating from the the point of view. It's like no, you didn't like. Yeah, you you created them like what then became and I mean the term NFT was a crypto kitties invention, right? I mean that was so even like that term is um was created later. So yeah, I mean I think I think because it's not on Ethereum and I think a lot of a lot of that all the the big run-ups were NFTs built on Ethereum like the term NFT came from an Ethereum project like um and that's kind of like has taken most of the the market share, but I do think What's ha- what's been happening, which has been really interesting to watch, is that as Ethereum fees get so high, which is a- another kind of funny thing to see, because back years ago, people were like, don't build on Counterparty, which is what Rare Pepe's are built on, build on Ethereum because it's so much cheaper, um, which is kind of funny, like in retrospect now, and the fees were like $5, you know, and it's like, why would we pay a $5 Bitcoin fee when we can pay a 10 cent? Ethereum fee, you know, so it's like funny how the narrative shift um, with a lot of that stuff. But um, I do think as the fees started coming up on Ethereum this year, people started people that collected NFTs that nece- that didn't necessarily get into it from being into Ethereum or being into Bitcoin or being into cryptocurrency. They just kind of saw these fun things to collect. They don't really have as much uh, loyalty to any one uh, chain or platform. Um, and so I think people started looking around a little more um, once the fees came up on Ethereum. And then I think once it became more accepted that you could have NFTs on other chains, then people started digging into the history of it. And it's like, well, if, I mean, you find the old Ethereum projects and then, well, what was before Ethereum? And like, so then you find like the old projects, the NFT projects that came out prior to that. So I think that's, I mean, even you see the stuff on Namecoin recently, like the, just the idea of an NFT is like becoming more the thing that people are interested in rather than the chain that it was was built on. So yeah, I mean, I, it's been really like, great to see recently a lot of Bitcoiners getting into rare Pepe's, which is, that's kind of been my argument for a while, because I consider myself a, a Bitcoiner. And it's like frustrating to see that a lot of the negativity towards like NFTs, because and I think a lot of it is because they're built on Ethereum, right? And there's that like constant struggle between the the two chains and the two communities. So I've, I've always been in a weird place being a, a Bitcoiner that likes NFTs. So um, I'm used to kind of being like the outcast in, in multiple communities. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of people kind of forget that being into Bitcoin made you an outcast six, seven years ago. So it's been really interesting as the narrative narratives all shift around and stuff. But uh, it's been fun to see a lot of these projects get rediscovered and people just coming into crypto for the first time through NFTs has been interesting to see especially when it comes to rare pepes i mean and and even like the other stuff like like top shot and the stuff on flow i think all that stuff kind of helps to just ex- expand the scope of what an nft is to to being not just ethereum which is kind of what it was early in the year but 
um, I think it's it, that's changed a lot in just, I mean, nine months. Yeah, for sure. No, I love that. And I mean, as the as the market continues to heat up, I mean, it, it, and you kind of alluded to this, but there really has been a, a rise in price and sales volume. What are some of the other factors at play? I know you mentioned a couple of them, but looking at it more holistically too, like what do you think are some of the different factors that are, are creating this bigger adoption or interest in the project? Um, I think the fact that it kind of it kind of crosses the the bridge from from Bitcoin to Ethereum for a lot of people. What's been really cool to see is one of the things that's driven the market um, as much as it's been lately is the ability to wrap Pepe's and and sell them on OpenSea as like ETH NFTs that are just wrappers for a Bitcoin NFT, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it, because like if you just transact on Bitcoin, the fees are way cheaper now, but people are like going out of the way to like pay more fees to buy this thing in, in Ethereum. But I think it's just because, I mean, OpenSea, people feel comfortable using OpenSea. I mean, it's it's become a kind of the the go-to market. So that's been a huge driver of, of what's gotten people into Rare Pepe's is the fact that you can buy them on OpenSea. But what's been cool is watching uh, people realize that the prices on OpenSea, you're paying a premium um, because somebody else is getting the Pepe, wrapping it, paying the money to wrap, create the NFT, wrap it, and then um, put it up for sale uh, on OpenSea. So you can, I mean, you can see prices as much as like 50 to 100% higher on OpenSea than if you were to just buy them through Rare Pepe Wallet, which uses the uh, the counterparty DEX, which is a decentralized exchange like built into the counterparty platform. And so watching people realize there's this arbitrage opportunity and then having to learn how to use counterparty and Bitcoin. And it's been fun to, to see how there's now this is market incentive to like learn how to use counterparty, like learn how to use Bitcoin. And uh, a lot of the frustrations that it's funny, like some people like really have never used Bitcoin that are into NFTs on Ethereum. And then they get into rare Pepe's, they find there's this arbitrage opportunity and they go, well, well we want to find out how to buy them cheaper. So we can, we can make that, um, that difference in price by selling them on OpenSea and like, like being frustrated by the 10 minute block time in Bitcoin, like it doesn't happen right away, but then being like excited that they only have to pay a dollar in fees and they don't have to pay like 50 to a hundred dollars in fees. So, um, it's been really cool. I think it's just like, now there's this market incentive, um, for people to learn how this stuff works. Um, so that's why we've seen a lot of, that's like what you alluded to earlier, the kind of the drive in, uh, the, I had tweeted like yesterday about how the counterparty decks, which is an on-chain marketplace on Bitcoin, um, has its highest volume ever in the, for any month, just in the first like 20 days of September. And that's just, goes to show like it's it works and it's usable it's just it never had that people never had the the reason to go use it beyond the like smaller rare pepe community and now you've got this much bigger community of nft collectors in general that are um getting into the, the vintage nfts from five years ago you know um so i think a lot of that's been uh what's what's driving it and then just bitcoiners getting excited about um big nfts on bitcoin and and kind of discovering rare Pepe for the first time and not realizing it's like, Hey, this thing's been around for like, this was like, in a lot of ways, the beginning of crypto art, as we know it, um, was rare Pepe's. And so I think once, once people that are into Bitcoin realize that they go, Oh, maybe, maybe, I, maybe NFTs are all right. Like maybe I can check these things out. They're like, it's funny. I, it's so funny. And I, I do know a lot of people are kind of scarred from the ICO bubble and the um, anyone that's been around for a few years and kind of see how tokens came and went and a lot of um, empty promises and, and people go like, yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, it's crypto is the wild west. Right. But um, the great thing about NFTs is it is what it is. It's not, 
it's not a problem. I, I see a lot of that creeping in now, people wanting utility for their NFTs and wanting all this stuff. And it's kind of, in a lot of ways, I see it as like maybe maybe going backwards a little bit um, because the real promise of an NFT is it's just this thing you collect. It doesn't stand, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything else. It's just your, it, it just is what it is. So um, I think that's what's allowed Bitcoiners to like see it as like more than just a, your run of the mill shit coin, I guess. And it's like this, uh, this other kind of cool piece of history. It's like this, this artifact, um, this blockchain artifact. So it's, um, I think that helps too. Totally. I think those are some really great insights. And, you know, look, I, I know the history and I, and I know that you've, you've probably explained it ad nauseum at this point. But as you know, in the spirit of, you know, having a lot of new people encountering the project for the first time and, and kind of being and, and kind of like our listeners who may not know uh, everything, I think it's also important to educate. So how, how do you explain rare Pepe's to those who are kind of who would otherwise, you know, associate Pepe with the alt right? Let me roll back. If someone if someone comes at me with these are racist Pepe's, I usually don't respond with anything because it's they've already made up their mind as to what it is, right? But if someone has the questions like, hey, I'm kind of into this thing, but I'm a little concerned um, because I only know bad things about Pepe. So I try to educate them with all the good things about Pepe. I mean, prior to the end of 2016, I mean, Pepe was an internet meme that people used all the time. Everybody used it. And I think it's unfortunate that, um, and it's kind of like the timing is actually kind of really funny too. So, so the way for people that don't know the way Pepe got branded as a racist frog, um, was from Trump supporters using it in September, 2016, kind of leading up to the election with, uh, Trump and Hillary Clinton. So it became a, uh, a news point in September of 2016. Rare Pepe launched in September of 2016, and it literally launched like two days prior to that happening. So it was kind of funny timing wise to see like, like Mike created this Rare Pepe, everyone got into it. And then like two days later, there was like in the news, it's like Pepe is a, is a hate symbol. And everybody was like, oh, like everybody involved in the project was like, oh no, like it's ruined. You know, it's like we, this new thing that we just did, um, but, you know, I mean, I think one of the things I thought was interesting when that came out is the ADL actually put out uh, like a little thing on their website, which basically said like Pepe is an internet meme that can be used for like racist ideology and hateful things, but that's not what all Pepe's are. And it's like just kind of how the media spins things. It's like that didn't really get the attention, you know, it's like it got the attention that this is only used for this thing, right? And um, if anyone that's been in crypto for a while knows that Pepe has kind of been a character in crypto and like through the years, like the price goes up, you have the happy frog as the, with the, the candles going up and, the, and then the price goes down. So it's a, it's a thing that's been around. So I never associated it with with anything bad, you know, it was just this fun internet meme. So, I mean, we made it a point with like the Rare Pepe directory and Rare Pepe wallet to not let any kind of hateful Pepe's into the directory. Um, I mean, anyone can go through it and see that. I, I look at it as it's it was a moment in time that someone used this meme for bad purposes and um, kind of hateful reasons. And that's just, that's not what everyone uses it for, right? And like, even one of the things I like to show people is that it, that's a purely like American thing too. And outside of the United States, like Pepe really is just this cute frog. And in parts of like China and Hong Kong, Pepe is seen as kind of like a symbol of freedom. And you saw in the Hong Kong protests, Pepe was kind of the mascot um, for the, the students in Hong Kong that were protesting at, in what was it, 2018, 2019. So it's really just this internet meme that's kind of like, is like this overarching meme that can 
be used. I mean, in a lot of ways, the symbolism of a frog, right? I mean, it's, it, there's, I don't think it's like that strange that it is, that it's a frog that became this thing that kind of represents the internet and like internet subcultures in general. And so, yeah, I mean, I think anybody that knows me and, and knows anybody else that trades rare Pepe's knows that that's, that was never like the point of this. This was more just like experimenting with trading, being able to own, create memes, and then be able to make them rare and, and trade them. And, and that's actually, it's kind of funny because rare Pepe is kind of this, like this meme that kind of spun off of Pepe the frog. And it was this whole idea that you could have these rare Pepe meme, the, the thing that made it rare um, when the, that the rare Pepe meme first came out was that um, no one saw it. No one, they couldn't. So you'd make this Pepe and you wouldn't show it to anybody. And then it would make it rare, right? Because only you had seen this Pepe and then you can't show anybody else because then it's not rare. anymore. so there was like even an article where uh, somebody, I think it was in like 2015, um, put a CD full of rare Pepe's up on uh, sale on eBay. And it, I think it got up to like $90,000 or something before it got taken down by eBay. And it was just literally like a CD full of Pepe memes. So that I was aware of that, that meme of, of having like a rare Pepe prior to like the, the rare Pepe directory and the, the project. So that was kind of what clicked for me when, when Mike created that first, the Nakamoto card, it was like, I saw that. And it was like, all of a sudden I'm like, that is like, that is the perfect representation of what these like collectible tokens are. Like they are rare Pepe's, like actually rare Pepe's because prior, and I mentioned it earlier, prior to uh, rare Pepe's, there were some trading card game projects on counterparty that are like NFTs older than rare Pepe's, but they were trading cards made by companies. So they're very like, kind of like magic cards. And I personally was never really into them. I didn't really collect them. I I was not of the opinion that that was an interesting use case for tokens uh, when that first came out. And it was, it was that seeing that Nakamoto card that I made that connect. It was like, it was like that connection just clicked for me. And it was like, oh, and it, it, it's also, what's also kind of funny is like Spells of Genesis came out a year, over a year before Rare Pepe's. I think it was like March or April, 2015. And over that kind of year, year and a half before the Rare Pepe project started, people in the community would ask Shaban who ran Spells of Genesis, like, hey, could we make our own Spells of Genesis cards? Like, could we send you art? And he was, he would always say, he's like, no, I mean, we have our artists and we kind of have our aesthetic that like we stick, which obviously makes perfect sense. I mean, you can't just submit your own art to Wizards of the Coast to like make your own magic card. Right. And it wasn't until a year and a half later that like someone just decided, you know what, like, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to create this token and I'm going to say, this is what it looks like. And that was the Nakamoto card. And it was like, everybody else was like, oh shit, like. We, we can just do that. We can just, we can just do it ourselves. We don't need like this company's permission to do it. And then once the, once I, uh, kind of reskinned another counterparty wallet that I was working on, um, which is why I was able to get rare Pepe wallet out as fast, like within a week of Mike creating the Nakamoto card, I had the wallet out. It's not because I built the whole thing in a week. It was because I had a wallet built and I just kind of, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if this wallet only showed rare Pepe's, you know, like, that's kind of been something I've been into over the years is these kind of like application specific um, wallets with tokens and stuff. But yeah, so I think that helped it a lot too, because you could make these rare Pepe's and then they would show up in this wallet. Um, and then you could trade them and you'd see what they look like. And it wouldn't just be uh, like people one off saying like, hey, I made this nft and here's what it looks like and i mean that's what you see now with all the platforms and stuff like yeah you could make your own nft i mean OpenSea kind of helps out a lot in that like 
it will pull the IPFS information and like you could make have your own contract, you know, and and sell it on OpenSea. So um, but yeah, so that was I think that's what helped it kind of proliferate a little bit because people had had that ability to use it in a wallet where they could see it um, rather than just saying like this, this token equals this image kind of thing. But it's kind of funny to think about, like it took a whole year and a half for somebody to say, no, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to like wait for someone's permission to do it. Totally. Totally. And you know, I think that that ties in well, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, we haven't probably many listeners uh, who, you know, this may be the first time that they're hearing about where Pepe's, they may be interested in getting involved. How, I know you touched on this when we were talking about like, you know, open C and like emblem vault and everything and, and wrapping, but, what what would you say is the best way? Like, how can someone purchase a rare Pepe in twenty twenty one? Like, how would you advise them to go about doing it? You got to look at it in like, uh, I guess, like levels, right? Like the easiest way, I'd say, like level one would be um, just going to OpenSea and buying a wrapped Pepe. There is some. Uh, you definitely want to go through the uh, the emblem vault, like uh, I guess you'd call it paged within OpenSea, because there are because of the way wrapped Pepe's work, there are people trying to scam on OpenSea by selling fake ones, right? So that's, I would say, um, if you're interested, there is a, there's a rare Pepe discord. I think it's, I think it, let me look it up. I think it's club, club rare Pepe. Club rare Pepe is the, is the Twitter handle. If you go there, there's a discord, you can go in and just ask, ask questions. I mean, if you're into NFTs, you kind of have to be into NFTs to even try to to do it i mean because it's a little it's harder um so um and knowing knowing how to use bitcoin helps too but yeah i would say go in that discord um you can buy on OpenSea. um that's probably the easiest way to do it level two would be um creating a rare pepe wallet and it's just it's just rarepepewallet.com and it when you first sign in it'll give you a pass it'll create a new wallet for you give you a your 12 word passphrase and uh write it down and then you're kind of off to the races i mean it's the problem with using the market in the wallet is you have to have either Pepe Cash, which is another, it, it's actually a rare Pepe, just really high issuance that uh, we kind of use as a trading pair, um, or XCP, which is the counterparty native token. So that's hard. It's hard to get. Um, so it's it's much harder. That's that's definitely level two um, to using rare Pepe's is is using rare Pepe wallet and um, collecting that way. But um, just everyone's really friendly. If you'd like going in the discord and, and ask questions, people can help you. Um, there is a telegram. We did everything through telegram years ago when, when uh, uh, Rare Pepe started. So there's a Rare Pepe telegram group. I'm pretty sure you can find out how to get there through the discord. So I'd say um, that would be your best bet to get in there. And people are pretty helpful and they'll, they'll help you out to to get you started, but it is—it's not for the the faint of heart, right? It's uh, it's a learning experience for a lot of people. It's like I I almost it's it's like going on an adventure, right? It's like there's some there, there's some uh, bumps in the road and some uh, like wrong wrong turns you could go down, but the, once you figure it out, it's very satisfying and um, it's fun and it's it's um, it is a lot cheaper um. Than just like collecting NFTs on OpenSea because the the fees are much lower. I mean that could change any day. I mean you never know what Bitcoin fees could do tomorrow. But right now, I mean it's they're nice and low, so um, it's a good time to kind of if you're just looking to experiment to look into it because it's not gonna not gonna cost very much from a transaction fee point of view. Yeah, I appreciate you breaking that down like that. And that, that same vein too, from kind of a 
uh, collector's perspective for newcomers to the project. Are there any like rare Pepe's that you feel really stand out as having the most historical significance or certain ones that you feel are undervalued? I mean, obviously the first one is the one, I mean, that's the most, ex- that's, well, I mean, it's not the most expensive. There are a few one of ones like NFT, like even the term NFT, right? Really means one of one. Um, but it's come to mean things with limited, limited edition. It's come to mean basically anything, any, any token that's not money is kind of what I use as the definition for NFT these days. But there are uh, one of one, a few one of one rare Pepe's. Um, so those would be like the hardest to get. Most of them are held by collectors that are not letting them go uh, anytime soon. So um, those would be pretty much impossible to get right now. Um, the first card, the Nakamoto card is pretty expensive too. I mean, it's it's right up there with trying to buy a crypto a CryptoPunk or anything like that. Um, you're going to spend a lot of money. Um, as far as um, like valuing them, I try to, I, I kind of just tell people like, go through, go through and see which ones you like. And you know, if you like it, someone else might like it too. They're all historically significant. We closed the directory um, in early 2018. So there's no new Pepe's as of, it was sometime in March. I don't remember the, the day exactly, but so they're all, they're all kind of older um, NFTs. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking to, you, you want it for the historical value, um, you can't really go wrong with any. Um, always look at like the issuance. Um, that's something you can see pretty easily in Rare Pepe Wallet. If you can click through the different series of uh, Pepe's and it'll show for under each one, it'll show you how many were issued. Um, so that's how many editions there are of each one. So obviously something that's 100,000 is going to have a lower per uh, unit price than something that's out of a hundred, right? So, uh, but another kind of cool thing with that is you can get into Rare Pepe's really at any price point. If you just want to kind of want a piece of history, um, you can buy Pepe's for like under a hundred dollars. I mean, it's not, um, or even, even lower than that. Um, so it's, you, you can really get in at any price point. There are like uh, kind of community favorites, I'd say, that have like kind of lore within the Rare Pepe community. One of the, like one I can think of like that always comes off the top of my head is Hair Pepe, Smooth Haired Pepe. It's a, uh, it's just kind of this like really funky looking Pepe with a like this bowl cut. It, it's so there are, there's definitely like these kind of like, I guess you'd say fan favorite, like collector favorites. Um, those, I mean, just hanging out in the chat, you can kind of find out what some of those are and uh, you can ask people and you'll see kind of certain ones pop up a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, it's funny to see a lot of people go for the series one. Um, that seems to be like, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's kind of the theme, right? It's like, you want, you want the first, I mean, that for being first is a big theme within NFT land. And so you go to Rare Pepe's being like one of the first crypto art projects, and then you want one of the first Rare Pepe's. Um, so people look at series one. Each series is 50 Pepe's, and we get all the way to, I think it's there's 36, I think there's 36 series, and that one has like an odd number of Pepe's because we 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 stopped it in the middle of the series for um, no real reason other than the fact that there was never going to be a good time to close the directory. So we just did it one day. We created the series is just because we thought it would be a, a fun way to make the early ones feel more rare. So it's kind of funny that that became like, and and we just kind of made that decision at around 50, the first 50 Pepe's. So then that became series one, totally arbitrary, right? It's like, that was just the decision that we made at the time. Um, we being the rare Pepe scientists, um, which is another thing we could talk about. But yeah, I mean, 
people like series one, I think any, I think any of the early ones are they're earlier. Right. And people like things that were early in, in, uh, when it comes to NFTs. So you can't really go wrong with, with any of that, but I, I would say, yeah, just, just go through the directory and see which ones you like. I mean, buy, buy the art you like, right. You know, it's like, don't, don't buy it just because you think it's going to go up in value buy it cause you like it. Totally. Totally. And no, I think that's really helpful primer there. Um, you know, you, you tweeted this week that, that um, on-chain Bitcoin NFT trading has actually had its highest month on record in September. What do you attribute that to? That's that arbitrage opportunity, I think. It's, that's the, uh, the people um, seeing that they can buy uh, Pepe's cheaper on uh, the counterparty DEX, which is on-chain. It's an on-chain exchange on Bitcoin. Cheaper than they can buy them on OpenSea. Some of those people are then kind of reselling on OpenSea and, and, and making that premium. But a lot of people are just seeing like, hey, we want to collect rare Pepe's and this is the cheaper way to do it. So they're, they're jumping over to doing it without it being wrapped and doing it on Ethereum and, and just kind of learning the rare Pepe proper. You know, it's like doing it on uh, what it was built on rather than uh, a, bri a bridge that was created to, uh, to do it on Ethereum. So I think that a lot of it is that. Um, and fees being lower and you can get better, better deals. And the more people that start trading Pepe's on the decks, it's kind of this uh, positive feedback loop because then more people acquire Pepe cash, which is used to trade. And then they, so then they have more, they sell some for Pepe cash and they have more Pepe cash to buy more. And then you get the, the, the liquidity starts moving to more people within the market. And now, uh, you, more people can participate. So, I think a lot of that is what, what we see happening too. And I think just, just general interest and, and Bitcoin and, and also Bitcoiners getting into it. So Bitcoiners don't, a lot of Bitcoiners don't want to use Ethereum. I can't blame them really if they don't have ETH. It's way more, it's a way more expensive way to get into Rare Pepe. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to go that route. So yeah, I think a lot of it is that. And it's just, that's where the best deals are. That's, so that's where the, the best deals are on Pepe. So that's why you see a lot of people moving to that market. Makes total sense. You know, and it's been really interesting seeing, you know, like scarcity, the, the marketplace on, uh, you know, the NFT marketplace on Bitcoin pop up, what's being, you know, things being built on Lightning. I'm curious to hear, what are your thoughts on the future of NFTs on Bitcoin? Pepe's are a piece of history um, as far as these like older projects, these kind of artifacts. Um, I, I think there's, I think Counterparty will continue to exist as long as people are collecting rare Pepe's, there's an incentive to keep it going. As far as um, people issuing, their NFTs on Bitcoin going forward? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, I think a lot of that depends on who's buying them. I mean, it really comes down to who your market is, right? And so um, I think you see that with um, like Tezos, perfect example. You've got artists that don't want to create their NFTs on ETH. They want to do it on Tezos because it's it's a cleaner, a cleaner NFT. Pat I mean, that's debatable, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the narrative, right? It's a cleaner and it's cheaper. So it makes sense, right? You can, it's just a much cheaper option. And so if you collect that artist's work, you've got to go to Tezos to, to get it. And I think in a lot of ways, if you, when it comes to, to Bitcoin NFTs, it's going to really depend on, on like what artists decide to that, Hey, we want to create our art on, and we, if we want to make NFTs, we want them to be on Bitcoin. We think that that's the, that's the, the, the thing that's going to persist the longest. So we want, we want our, our NFTs to exist there. Um, or they they like Bitcoin, they don't like other other platforms. So I think that's that'll be. I, I think it's. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I think it's what the the thing that um, the thing that 
Bitcoin NFTs, specifically uh, stuff built on counterparty needs, is more developers. So until we get more developer mindshare uh, moving over and, and developers kind of devoting their time to learning how to how to use it and how to build on it, um, then it's it's going to be really hard for for artists and and stuff to come over and start using it. But I mean, if the if, if people see value there, people build on it. I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion I'm 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 not trying to <laughs> I'm just going to let it happen. And, and what people want to do, I mean, I can I can help guide people as, as much as I can. But who knows with this space? Right. It's like it's you never know. Bitcoin fees could be one hundred dollars tomorrow and ETH fees could drop down to $10 for no good reason at all. Right. You know, so and that drives a lot of people moving around. And I've, I really, I did always expect that people would kind of rediscover rare Pepe's. I mean, that's the great thing about building on blockchains, uh, especially something like Bitcoin. It's not, it's there, it's there for people to find. Right. So I definitely didn't expect as much uptake from the general NFT collector community on rare Pepe's. Like I thought maybe some Bitcoiners would come over, maybe some people would, that would be more open to um, NFTs existing on anything that's not Ethereum to come over. Like maybe people that have a trade on Tezos that, that like they're 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 open to these different chains. But I never, I think one of the things that surprised me the the most with the NFT mania is the NFT collector that doesn't care what chain their NFT is on. Like that's really surprised me the most because coming from it as a, it's been an evolution from cryptocurrency to to NFT platforms and then people that come in just for the NFTs and don't really care. That's been most surprising to me. I think it's great. I think I, I think it's great for the ecosystem in general to have, I think NFTs have really helped crypto in general. Yeah, I think the more people that come into it, the more people that want to learn about it, um, I think you'll see, uh, hopefully see people start building uh, around counterparty and, and, and building, they maybe, I mean, there is some value to, to issuing your art on the platform that crypto art began on, you know, it's, I mean, it's, uh, there's certainly a, a, a story there. Um, and it's a lot of what like NFTs and art in general are about, right? It's the story. So I think there's more, more stories to be told when it comes to, uh, to Bitcoin NFTs. Excited to see you keep telling them, man. So really appreciate you coming on today. I think it's been an absolute pleasure and, um, obviously super grateful for everything you've done and continue to do, man. So Joe, thank you so much. Man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fun chatting with you guys. Definitely. Take care. Man, really enjoyed that episode. Such a smart guy. So many great contributions and then what he's built. What stood out to you? I just love the, the historical perspective. I mean, even though it's only been five years, you know, so much has happened in that time. And it was so interesting hearing about those those early days and, you know, sort of the, the, the recent uptick and rediscovery of this historic project. Um, I think he brings a really, really valuable perspective to the table. And I'm really excited to see as more people uh, enter the space uh, where sort of rare Pepe's fits into the the historic, you know, the, the historical story of, of NFTs. A thousand percent. So super grateful to had him on as always thank you guys for tuning in if you haven't already definitely be sure to go sign up for our newsletter at nftnow.com where we simplify the, the market to actual insights once each week but that's all for today we'll be back next week appreciate y'all peace <laughs>